Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. This, um, this young man, Joseph, is an incredible story. And, and why we've, you know, Pastor Moses and I were collaborating the team. I even got the young people, the summer students involved. And, 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 and you know, if you know the story, Joseph received a coat, a tunic from his dad, and it was multicolored. And he wore it everything. And, and Joseph was living the dream, family of God. He, he was loved he was the youngest son. His, his dad, Jacob, just adored him, favored him, uh, just, you know, probably was over the moon for him, kind of like your parents are with you. When you're the baby, any babies, baby of the family here? If you're a baby of the family, you know, they tend to get, you know, they tend to get spoiled. They tend to, you know, because we're like, okay, let's not mess up this one, right? <laughs> and so he's given this, He's given this multicolored coat, and on top of that, God begins to speak to him. Begins to give him dreams about his destiny, his life, how great it's going to be, and people are going to bow down to him and his leadership. And, and my friends, he is, he is like living the dream. His life is full of color and vibrancy and hope and future. And, and then his life becomes a nightmare. Because, you see, he was part of a dysfunctional family. I, I could actually take these chapters and speak about how not to parent. Multiple wives, multiple families, favoritism. And the brothers hated him, and they were bitter against him. And they even plotted, we'll talk about it in just a moment, they even plotted to murder him. His, his dream became a nightmare. But his nightmare became his destiny. <laughs> Come on, his dream became a nightmare. His nightmare became his destiny. You see, you see, his nightmare wasn't the end of the story. It's now we were singing, my friends online watching today, your nightmare is not the end. Not if God is in your life. He's not, that's not the end of the story. That's not the way the movie ends. Some of us today... Maybe we're sitting here, you're watching online, and I've spoken to many people. Pastor, my life has lost its color. I, I thought I was living a dream. I, I thought I had a word from the Lord. I, I, I thought my future and my path was going this way, and, and now I'm living a nightmare. And, and so much so, my friends, I mean, I have, I have 15, years old, 15 year old people that want to take their life because the world has literally sucked the hope out of people. And instead of, instead of helping them, they say to them, yeah, we want to empower you to take your own life. We want to empower you if that's what you want to do. Well, I'm here to tell you, my friends, you have a dream to live. You have a dream to live. And I want to say over the young people, you will live and not die. Because God has a future for you. God has a destiny for you. And you say, well, Pastor, what, 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 about, what about the older ones? Let me tell you something, my friends. Moses was 80 years old when he saw a burning bush. 
he was living a life and he thought, oh, I, I had this experience and I tried to deliver people and now, and now here I am. I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm, in, I'm in the wilderness. My life is over. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a shepherd the rest of my life. I, I guess this is it until, until God showed him a sign and he saw a burning bush. And he had yet to live at 80 years old. He had yet to live the best days of his life. Now, before we read the scripture, I want to say this. I, I am not here to be a motivational speaker for you today. This, this is not a message on being a motivational speaker. I've been, I've been criticized for that. I've had people even sit in my classes and go, you're just a motivational speaker. I am not a motivational speaker. I am a preacher of the gospel. And what I'm going to share with you today is the word of God. Because I serve the God who holds the future. So he comes from a dysfunctional life. He comes from favoritism into being sold out by his family. He's put in a pit. They talk about his murder. They, they literally premeditate his murder. But then they just sell him to some Ishmaelites. He, he winds up in Egypt. He winds up in a place called Potiphar's house. That, that is his master. He's now a slave. He's gone from, the, from being the golden child to being a slave in a foreign land. And the man's wife tries to sexually seduce him. When he refuses, you would have thought, all right, Joseph, you did the right thing. God's going God's to you know, back you up here. When he refuses her, in her bitterness, she accuses him of rape. He gets thrown in a prison, and he's there for years, and then a butler and a baker who worked for Pharaoh got into trouble. They wound up in prison. One of them had a dream, and Joseph interpreted the dream. One lived, one died. The one that went back to Pharaoh, Joseph said to him, when you get to Pharaoh, tell him I'm an innocent man. T tell him I didn't do anything wrong. Tell him I, I, didn't, I, I didn't try to rape that woman. The Bible says he forgot him. For I believe it says, if memory serves, two years, he forgot him until Pharaoh had a dream and then the man remembered, hey, there's a man in the prison. He interprets dreams. He has a gift. You, you, you see, my friends, Joseph tried to get himself out of prison. God says, I have a schedule. Are, are you running your own calendar or are you on God's schedule? Be, because I am concerned, my friends, that so many of us today in the midst of COVID and fear and all that's happening is we, we have forgotten the basics of the Word of God and the way God operates in our lives and that God not only has a destiny and a call, but God has a schedule. This young lady had to come all the way from another country to meet her husband in this country because God has a plan and God has a schedule. And God has not forgotten you. Turn to somebody and say, God hasn't forgotten you. He becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. And because of the dream, seven years divided into feast and famine, Pharaoh said, there's nobody better than you to run this operation. And so he becomes the most powerful man, literally, other than Pharaoh in the world. He said, here's what Pharaoh said to him, other than the fact that I rule, you're completely in charge. Now watch what happens, because this is important. 
because this is really a prototype of Christ. What would you have done if you're Joseph and now you have this kind of power? Uh, first thing you'd be doing is you'd call Potiphar's wife, eh? First things first, I'm going to deal with you. Then I'm going to send chariots and I'm going to go deal with my brothers. And Joseph does nothing like that because by then, there's been such a work that's been done in his heart. And there's been such a revelation that he's a completely different person. He's no longer soft and pampered. He is a leader. He's ironclad. But he operates in grace and in mercy. But here's what I want to talk to you about this morning, my friends. He is no longer a victim. He is no longer a victim. He, he's not embittered. He's not living in the past. He's, he's not living in the anguish and in all the brokenness of what he went through and all the reasons of, of being betrayed and being accused and all, all the hang-ups that he could have had. He said, I refuse to live as a victim. Well, I'll speak to you this morning. How do I overcome? How do I overcome the adversities of life? How do I... Pastor, how do I overcome this mentality of being a victim? Because today, my friends, people wear a victim card like it's a badge of honor. We have, we have people running around like they're victims and they've never been victimized. We, we have billionaires running around tell us how oppressed they are and how hard they have it. But you know what I find in the Word of God? Because that's the way the world operates. You know what I find in the Word of God? In the Word of God, particularly in the New Testament, you are never given the right to play the victim card. You're told to overcome. You're told to overachieve. You're told that the spirit of the conqueror is in you. That in Christ you are more. You are more than a conqueror. Now let me say this. I am not here to minimize in any way, shape, or form your life. There's some real pain in victimization. People have gone through some very hard and difficult things, and, and in no way would I ever want to water that down or tell you that, you know, that didn't really happen and just get over it or, or any of that. No, 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 that's not what I'm trying to tell you. What I am trying to tell you, though, today is that there is an answer in Christ and that there is a destiny that God wants to get you to and to move you out of your nightmare. Some of you have carried things a long, long time, and today, everybody say, today, Today that can end if you'll allow the grace and the power of God to operate in your life. I want us to stand this morning. I want to read to you in two places. First of all, Psalm 105. And then we're going to go to Genesis 37. Are we doing okay? So in Psalm 105 here, we, we see a little bit of a history of the, the nation of Israel. And I just want you to capture this. I want you to read the psalm and... And certainly I want you to read the story of Joseph. But here in Psalm 105 it says, Moreover, God, he called for a famine in the land. You see, we don't, we don't believe God operates. We've got all this teaching about the way God operates because people don't read their Bible. But it says he destroyed all the provisions of bread. And everybody say this, he sent a man. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And they hurt his feet with fetters and he was laid in irons. And until 
Oh man, if you have a highlighter. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. That's the nightmare. That's the nightmare. It tried him. It tested him. God's in the business of knowing how to get the gold out of you. And then the king, Pharaoh, sent and released him, and the ruler of the people let him go. And he made him lord over his house and ruler over all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Can you imagine the slave boy from Israel? rules the most powerful nation in the world. And then in Genesis 37, let's just read it. I want to draw some thoughts from this today. 37, 18, talking about his brothers. So here's the story. Jacob says, go, go see about your brothers. Go see how your brothers are doing. And, and so he did the, the right thing, obeyed his daddy. And it says, when they saw him, that's his brother afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired to kill him premeditated, we are going to plot his murder. This isn't like, you know, when somebody gets you mad, you're like, I'm going to kill you. No, no. These boys meant it. First degree murder. They said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, I mean, this is God's people. This is, this is flesh and blood. He says that some wild beast devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. My friends, listen, you have people right now that are speaking about you in your life that are saying, let's just see what becomes of their dream. Let's see what becomes of their faith. Let's see what becomes. Oh, oh, God has an answer. God has an answer. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit. <laughs> I don't know if he's a better brother or I don't know. Which is in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver them out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Reuben thought, these boys are crazy. I'm going to put them in the pit. When they're gone, I'm going to grab them. I'm going to bring them back to daddy. So it came to pass that when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped him of his tunic. They, they took away his coat. They, they, they took the color from his life. And the tunic of many colors was on him and they took him and they cast him in the pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. In other words, Joseph really should have drowned right there. My friends, let me just tell you. God knows there are people that are going to throw you in a pit but he makes sure that the water's not there. <laughs> you see, you see we, 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 want God, we want God never to make us go in the pit. God says, it's part of the plan, but I'm going to make sure there's no water in the pit. Somebody's got to catch that. And they sat down to eat a meal. <laughs> Call Uber. Somebody. What's for lunch? Like, we just talked about premeditated murder. We threw the brother in the pit. Now it's like, who's hungry? Like, these are some incredible people. And they lifted their eyes and they looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead and their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh. And on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Interesting words. 
spices, balm, myrrh. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit? Now we're going to make money. What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Israelites. Let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. And then the immediate elders passed by, and so the brothers pulled Joseph up, and they lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Sound, sound interesting? Sound like somebody you know? Sound like somebody you've heard of? And they took Joseph to Egypt, and then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers, and he said, the lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? Father, we bless you, and we thank you. We receive your word today, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. My friends, the first thing I want to talk to you about is the fact that Joseph had a dream from God. That Joseph had a word from the Lord that literally he, he, was, he was living his, his life out. And that there was a recognition that my life isn't going to end in this nightmare. I'm going to make it all the way to my dream. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to rock a few of you. But I want you to chew on this. Here's the statement. If you are in the will of God, nobody can steal your future. If you are in the will of God, even though they said, let's see what becomes of this dreamer, let's, let's put him in the pit, let's kill him, let's sell him, let's, let's be gone. And by the way, they, what they did was they took the coat, they put uh, the, the blood, sound, the blood of an animal on the coat, and they brought it to their father and said, your son is dead. Imagine watching their daddy in anguish thinking their youngest son is dead and you're, and you're just lying. For, I mean, you're, you're murderers, you're bitter, you're full of hatred, you're liars. But my friends, I want to tell you today, if you are in the will of God, nobody can steal your future. And the truth is this, God's dream is not just about you living your life. God's dream is to outlive you. God's dream is to live through your children and their children's children. Because in reality, they said, let's see what will come out of his dreams. But here's what they didn't understand. They didn't understand that the dreams that Joseph was dreaming were of God. You can't wipe out God's dreams in people. You know how some people say, when you say to them, how you doing? They say, I'm living the dream. And they mean it sarcastically. But my friends, here's the truth. When you have a God dream, it is meant to live, be lived out. It's not just about someday. Everybody, you know, people, so many people are living about someday. Oh, you know, someday we'll do this and someday we'll do that. And someday I'll, 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 I'll get a, you know, someday, someday, and someday. Isn't this why I said to you, you didn't cross an ocean to live in a pond? Because someday has to come. But because of fear and insecurity. I'm going to make another statement. If you play life too safe, you will never reach your potential. If you live life too safe, you will never reach your potential. Because the truth is this, God's dreams are bigger than us. God's, God's dreams will outlive us. And my friends, honestly, if you have a God dream, it'll terrify you. 
As a matter of fact, if you have a God dream, you'll probably reject it. Isn't that what Moses did at the burning bush? God said, uh, Moses said, great, great plan, send somebody else. And he began to make excuses. Well, I can't speak, and I stutter, and, and you know, somebody can speak more eloquently. And, and, and how many excuses do we make in God's ears about why we can't do certain things? Stop it. God's bigger than your excuses. And I've always said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you're the God that can open the Red Sea. Why not just say to Moses, come here, I'm going to touch your lips, I'm going to touch your tongues, you're going to speak fine. Here's the truth. Listen to me, church. Listen to me online. There are some limitations God is never going to remove from your life. We don't like that. Lord, remove everything so I can... No, no, no. There are some limitations that God says, you're just going to have to overcome that. You know what God said to Moses? Aaron will speak for you. And you'll be like God. In other words, God says, I'm not going to solve the solution the way you think it should be solved, but I am going to solve it for you. Stop fighting against some limitations in your life that God says, I'm not removing it. Even to Paul. Paul said, you know, I had this thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times. So that means Paul must get his, his prayers answered the first time. You know what the Lord said to him? My grace is sufficient for you. That thorn stays, Paul, but my grace is sufficient. Because here's the truth, my friends. Listen, the future always belongs to the people that are willing to dream. I'm watching these billionaires build rockets and go to space. Whatever you may think of that. Somebody's dreaming. Somebody's saying, I want to build this, and I, and I want to go up there. And they, they're charging like $250,000 for like an hour ride or something. People are lined up already because, because somebody has a dream. I'm going to say something. I'm about to throw a grenade in the service, okay? These are not just little dreams. My friends, listen to me. We just finished the answer, man. This, this idea of common people or rich people going out of outer space is tied into the last days because there's an escapism plan because people know some things are going to happen on the earth and they think they're going to go somewhere and be safe. How many know God already knows all this stuff? <laughs> and don't forget that the aliens are coming. I just wanted to remind you. I want to remind you that the aliens are coming, Thanos is coming, and uh, you're all going to become zombie food and all the, you know. Four things. How did Joseph overcome a victim mentality? How was Joseph not able to just survive but literally thrive against every adversity after every after every odd uh, all the odds I'm sorry and 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 then being accused of, of being a rapist and having this reputation and being sold out by your brothers and losing relationship with your daddy and and going from this soft cushiony life to hard life why was he not bitter why didn't he have excuses why didn't he have a bad taste in his mouth? Why wasn't he ugly? You met some ugly people. Angry people, bitter people. 
because they've gone through some things in life, but they weren't able to overcome. I want you to notice from this very story, number one, I want you to say this, forget about it. Come on, say it like you mean it, forget about it. Now, there was a movie, there was a movie that was a mobster movie, and they would say, the Italians would say this, forget about it. And since Italy just won the Euro, we ought to celebrate a little Italianism, amen? So say this with me, forget about it. Now, come on, forget about it. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this idea of forget about it like, oh, you know, pretend like it never happened. My friends, I want you to know that there is a grace in God that literally you can forget your offenses, your pain, your agony, your, your bitterness, the thing that you've gone through, the, some of the most crucial parts of your life, that literally God heals you to such a place you forget. I remember having a conversation with Pastor Carolyn about an individual and and she said to me, she said, I want to remind you, honey, how these people hurt you. And I had to say, they, they did. What, did. what did they do? I could literally, you remember this? I could literally not remember, not because, oh, pastor, you're old. No, that wasn't the issue. It was literally God had healed me to a place I couldn't remember. And watch this. When you forget certain things, then you can treat people a different way. Come on, we just, we just had a wedding, right? Weddings, weddings to me are the epitome of the offense zone. Well, we can't sit them here because, you know, they don't talk. And, and you know what happened in 1948. And, you know, and, 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 and they're gonna, there's going to be an issue here. And so let's put them over there and let, you know. I mean, nobody in this church. I see it in weddings. I... I see it at funerals. I'm like, listen, we're dealing with a death here. You can't even overcome. Come on. Everybody say, forget about it. Genesis 41.50, let me prove it to you. And, jo and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the, of the famine came. Watch this in verse 51. Because he got married there, right? He married an Egyptian girl. And it says, and Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Why? For God has made me forget all my toil and my father's house. God birthed a Manasseh in his life because Joseph said, I have forgotten the anguish, the heartbreak, the emotional destruction, the betrayal, the murder, everything. I have this son and something is birthed in my life and I have forgotten by the grace of God. In other words, Joseph wasn't pretending. You know how some people pretend? They, they tell you they're okay, but inside they're a disaster. God doesn't want us to live like that. I want you to notice in my second point here that Joseph had a second son in Genesis 41 and 52. And here's my second point. My second point is be fruitful in the now. Everybody say that with me. Say, be fruitful in the now. 
We're talking about how do I overcome victimization. Number one, we forget by the power and by the grace of God what has happened to us, what has been done to us. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that, uh, you know, there isn't legal recourse to certain things. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about what's happening in your heart and in your soul. So number one, we forget about it. But number two, the Bible says, and Joseph became fruitful in the land of his affliction. Notice. And the name of his second son he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has caused me to multiply. God has caused me to be fruitful. God has caused me to grow. God has caused me to develop. Watch this. Not back home. Not on some resort. Not when everything was going my way. But literally in the land of my affliction. You see, if Joseph is going to be a victim... He's always going to be living by, my brothers sold me. My brothers gave me up. My brothers betrayed me. But we read in Psalm 105, God sent a man. Which camp are you going to live in? Are you going to live in the camp of God sent a man? Or are you going to live in the camp of they sold me out? They betrayed me. They lied about me. They said this about me. They said this about me. One is going to make you a victim. The other one's going to make you a victor. You're going to understand that no matter what happened in my life, there is a greater purpose that is happening. I'm not stopping at the nightmare. I'm going on to my destiny. Do you have a call? Do you have a dream? Get beyond the nightmare and get on to the destiny because it's in the nightmare where people want to give up. If people say, well, God doesn't move, God doesn't speak anymore, God, God doesn't work like that. Yeah, the Bible says that until the word of the Lord came to pass, the word of the Lord tried him. People are being tested. I've had some massive testing. God is working on you. Not because he hates you, not because he's punishing you, but because God wants to bring out the gold that is in your life. I want to make a statement, very, very important. Listen to me. There is a tension. We're talking about overcoming victimization. We're talking about, we're talking about being fruitful in the now. Listen to me very carefully. There is a tension between letting go and taking control. And both are required. Joseph had to let go of some things. You, you are hanging on to some things that you need to let go of and trust God with. We, we, we have forgotten in the midst of everything that's going on that, that hey, God is still sovereign, that, that God has control over my life, that I'm still on the path. We, we have forgotten that I need to trust God, have faith in God, that I need to let go of some things. But watch this. Because I hear preaching on this all the time. Let go, let go, let go, let God, let go, let God. And then people let go like they give up. But, but that's not even biblical. Watch this. There are some things, my friends, you and I must take control of. Psychologically, especially in a time where, where, where it seems so many things are out of control, you must take control of some things. Joseph took control at Potiphar's house. He was diligent. He was excellent. Uh, Potiphar prospered to the point he didn't even know how much stuff he had. He took control in the prison. The Bible says the prison prospered. Do you know why? Because there's a little, but here's the secret sauce. There's a little verse in this story that keeps saying this, and God was with Joseph. Every time something went wrong, every time something was negative, every time there was a turn, it says, and God was with Joseph. But the things that Joseph could control, he took control. 
What can you control? What do you need to let go of? See, this is the, this is the wisdom. What do I need to let go of? What do I need to take control of? And you know, a lot of times we mess it up. We, we take control of the things that God says, give it to me. And then the things that we should take control of, we just... Here's point number three. Everybody say this with me. Be resilient. The word means to withstand, to recoil, to recover from difficult conditions. Listen, my, my friends, if those of you that have children today, if there is one thing uh, that you need to put into your children is a spirit of resiliency. The, 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 the ability to come back, the ability to, to take shots from life. How many know life is rough? Life is hard, life isn't fair, life is, life is mean. And, and this, this whole idea of, of how we are pampering people uh, like Joseph, all this entitled generation, all this generation of, well, you can't offend me. My friends, let me help you even online. If you cannot be offended, you're not going to be a good Christian. You can't speak to me like that. You can't say this to me. You can't offend me. You can't touch me. You can't hurt my feelings. You're not going to do well with the cross. And this is why, Pastor Moses, they are rewriting the New Testament because it doesn't fit their narrative. Jesus said, offenses will come. And sometimes, church, see, what do you do when God allows things to happen? See, you read the story, now, now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God is whispering to the brothers and saying, sell them out, put them in the pit, sell them to the... I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying. Human beings make decisions and then God works in spite of them. But he sent a man. You're like, well, I don't like the way God sent him. You're not God. Well, I, I, I don't like the way he's writing my story. You're not the author. That's why the Bible says... Shall the clay say to the potter? See, this is Bible. Shall the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? You know, even in this racial world that we are living in, you see, you, see, you believe that God would never allow you to be victimized in a racial way because, well, you know, God loves me and God is for me, and he does, but, but what if that is God's plan for your life to go through that so you can help other people? You'd rewrite the story. You would never let Joseph go in the pit. You'd have stopped the brothers at the first turn, and guess what? Israel would have died. The famine would have taken them out, would have taken out the nations of the earth. You see, here's what God knows. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows why certain things have to be. But you and I look at the moment and go, well, we don't like this. And rather than be resilient... We fight and we struggle and, and we say, we're not fair and I want a, I want a participation trophy and, and you hurt my feelings and woe is me. Pick up your cross Amen. and carry it. You say, Pastor, you say we shouldn't fight again. No, 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 I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't fight against things that are wrong. Hear my heart. But you got to ask yourself the question like David. Remember when David was being chased out of out of Jerusalem by his own son Absalom taking over and as David here's as the king is you got to catch this as the king is leaving they're throwing rocks at him get the picture Absalom is taking over the the kingdom 
The king is leaving there, throwing rocks, and then those that are loyal to David basically say this, shall we spear them? You want us to take them out, that they're throwing rocks at the king? Listen to what David says. He said, no, peradventure it is the Lord. Do you believe that? Here's what David is saying. Maybe the Lord wants them to throw rocks at the king. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes people throw rocks at you, they say things about you, and you're always thinking it's the devil. Maybe, maybe it's the Lord trying to get your attention. See, but we are being conditioned to think in a world way versus a God way. That's why we are always victimized. Anybody still with me? <laughs> I have to tell you this story. Last night, uh, Liam, will you come back, my brother? I know you just left, but come back. Last night, I was, um, I was at my grandson's birthday party, and I don't even know if Pastor Carolyn knows this, but speaking of resiliency, um, there was a moment there where uh, everybody kind of gathered in the living room, and it's a bit of a smaller living room, and, uh, and I couldn't even actually get into the living room. I had to kind of stand in the hallway, and then I noticed there was this little guy, seven or eight years old. He was in the corner all by himself, and he was pouting. Here he is. This is... This is the generation of, you know, this is the generation in the corner pouting with an iPad. You got a $1,500 electronic and you're pouting, but so his mother comes and she says, well, why, why, what's the matter? Why, something happened? He's like, I want to be in the living room. And she said, well, come in. And, um, and he said, no, I want to sit on the couch. And so she looked in and she said, well, the adults are on the couch. The older people, the grandparents, that's why I was outside. <laughs> Some of you missed that, three o'clock. And um, so she says, come on inside. And he says, no. You tell them to go in there and I want to sit on the couch. Now, at this point, I want to get popcorn because I'm like, wow. I forgot about what's happened with the presence. And I'm like, human dynamic, I, I want I to see the end of this. You know, like, bring me popcorn, honey. She says to him, I'll tell you what, you come inside, I will sit on the floor with you. I thought, good for you, mom, that's, I like that, you know, that's a good, he's like, no, no. And then I'm like, here we are, Woo! this is, this is it. We're gonna... And to that, mother, to that mother's credit, she said to him, then you just sit there and you miss what's happening, but I'm going inside. I felt like kind of moving over a little bit and going, did you hear that, kid? <laughs> now, it wasn't my kid. Resiliency. You don't get in your way all the time. And so you could sit in the corner and pout you can get up and participate with everybody else because it's not always going to be served to us on a silver platter. You know, my, my wife comes from the childhood education program. And I just want to say this, and I saw this online this week, and I thought it was amazing. All the timeout children are messed up. I didn't grow up in the timeout world. I grew up in the we'll take you out world.
Oh, somebody ought to help me. I hear some children speak to their parents today. I thought to myself, I'd be dead. And we weren't even, we weren't, listen, we weren't even Christians, but you know what we had? We had respect and we had honor. And these are values of the Bible. But you see, we can't have respect and honor today because we're going to hurt people's feelings. Church, listen. God is not afraid to hurt your little feelings. Do you know how many people are going to end up in hell because we couldn't hurt their feelings? Do you understand? Listen to me. You can't even be saved unless you get offended. God says, you're a sinner. Oh, my God, you can't say that to people. Hey, listen, you're, you know, you're like a decent person. And, and maybe, no, God says, you're a sinner. And you're on your way to hell. And so let me offend you so that I can save you. My mother, God bless her. My mother was the beater in our family. Those of you who knew my dad, my dad, like when my dad beat you, you know, there was like, it was the beatings of all time, right? But my mom was the, the general beater. I remember one day I said, I'm going to call the police. And she handed me the phone. And she said, let them come. And then they'll put me in prison, and they'll feed me three times a day, and I don't have to feed you, and I don't have to cook and clean for you. And then I probably got a slap in the head. Everybody say, be resilient. <laughs> okay, I got to land this plane. I got to land this plane. Now, just so you think I'm, I'm, Pastor, you're crazy. No, no, listen. You know, we're baptizing these people outside today, and it was Pastor that said, hey, make sure the water is warm. Because even I have my limits. You know what I mean? Like, Let's get baptized for Jesus. We don't have to freeze people out. Let's, you know, in case you're like, that guy is crazy insane. All right, here's number four. Number four, everybody say this. All things work together for good. And Joseph actually says this to his brothers when, when they finally meet. He says to them, what you boys did, you meant for evil. You guys are evil, but God, but God, <laughs> but God, but God is bigger than you, and God had a, a bigger plan, and God sent me ahead so you would live, and the Bible says he spoke kindly to them. He took care of them and their families. Look at Look at Romans 8.28. You can stand with me so you can think that I'm closing. Romans 8.28. And we know, in other words, we're convinced that all, everybody say all things, work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Pastor, how can you preach this way? Because I know that all things work together for good to them that love God who loves God and are called according to his purpose. You know why I'm here today? 
I'm here today because I'm called according to his purpose. I'm here today because I love God. My friends, listen, if you knew, some of you do, but if you knew the year that I've had, the death, the anguish, the issues, the pro I mean, I, I can't even, I could write a book on what I've experienced. I, I could be home right now, just laying down, just like, oh my God, my world, oh. Ringing a bell for Pastor Carolyn to bring me an espresso. You know what I have found? I have found that as I have encouraged others, encouragement has come to me. As I have helped others, help has come to me. As I have been generous with others, generosity has come to me. As I have prayed for others, prayer has come for me. Which camp? I'm a victim, I'm a victor. Which camp? I'm in the dream, I'm in the nightmare, I'm in the destiny. God hasn't finished writing your story. I asked Ranjeev to do this in the first service, and I'm gonna ask him again, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I bless you, you're released to go. If you wanna come and watch the baptism with us, please do so, and, but, but that song, Ranjeev, when you sang it, that was the song of the Lord today. I, that was the word of the Lord, and I just want the, the worship team just to minister it over you prophetically today. I love you, I love you online, thank you for joining us. As always, be good, be safe and be strong. Ranjeev.